0: sind ja beide so voll entspannt also ich bin entspannt du bist entspannt was was, was, was ist da, da. also wo, wo, wo guckst du gerade hin was meinst du ich ich guck dich an
1: Welcome to In Her Lens, In Conversation, Hundefreund. My name is Nadine, and this week I am joined by Joanling Lee Nesbet Chang, the costume and set designer of the German short film Hundefreund. Originally from Melbourne, Australia, Joan, She They, moved to Berlin in 2020 at the start of the pandemic, forfeiting a master's in psychology to pursue new creative endeavours. Currently, Joan is working as a freelance set designer and stylist and has a range of experiences in different fields. They have worked as a model, performer, makeup artist, props, and social media content creator. So this July, she will actually commence a set design practicum at and with the Berlin Opera Academy to develop deeper skill sets in set building and prop making. In this episode, Joan and I talk about her bachelor's and almost master's in psychology, growing up in Australia and her move to Berlin. They break down their love for aesthetics and exploration of different creative industries. Joan talks about how she got involved with Hundefreund and its recruiting process, about their process with a new script, how she built and collected the set of Hundefreund and what life is like in this field. Lastly, Joan opens up about what she took away from the making of the short film and what she hopes it will teach others. Joan is really one of the best. Enjoy this episode. Here is the set designer and costume designer of Home of Freund, Joan Ling Lee Nesbit Chang. Thank you so much for being here. Before we start, um, I usually start with kind of like a rapid fire question round so we can get grounded with you. Um, are you down? Sure. Okay. Dusk or dawn? Dusk. Tea or coffee? Ooh. Tea. Appetizer or dessert? Appetizer. A three hour movie or a 10 hour series? 10 hour series. Would you rather travel to space or to the bottom of the ocean?
0: Bottom of the ocean. What was
1: your favorite subject in school? Psychology. Mm-hmm. Um a city you would like to visit. Porto. A city that you think people should visit.
0: Hmm. Um. Berlin. Berlin. I mean, <laughs> of course. Um, what's the last thing that you read? I'm actually gonna be I actually I've never <laughs> read a full book in my entire life. Yes. Um, in university, I went into my master's and I've never read a whole book, and recently my friend told me that I should order Green John Green's Looking for Al- Looking for
1: Alaska.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I literally ordered this like two weeks ago to try and read. Oh, interesting!
1: Okay. <laughs> I'm actually fascinated to hear about later later on um, what you're going to find of it.
0: Uh, do you prefer beach or mountains?
1: Mountains. Um, what is your go to karaoke song? Big girls don't cry. Yes. <laughs> Wine or beer. Uh... Beer. Phone calendar or physical planner?
0: Physical. Fall or spring? Spring. What's an unmissable part of your routine? I must shower when I wake up. And every time I get changed into new clothes, I have to shower. Or I just don't get changed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? Chinese.
1: Texting or calling?
0: Calling. And what's the last thing that you watched? These are like, not even trick questions. Um, Honda Freund actually was the last film that I watched <laughs> in the cinemas, just before we would check, our last check that we were doing before we sent it off. I love it. Well, perfect transition into our conversation. Cause we're
1: here to talk about Honda Freund, obviously. Um, but let's hop into you for a little bit first. Where are you from? Um, what did your kind of growing up look like and what is your education in film thus
0: far? Yeah. Okay. So my name is Joan Lingley Nesbitt Chang. I'm 25 years old, originally from Melbourne, Australia. I moved to Berlin almost two years ago now. And in terms of my education, when I, my education is kind of funny. So I went to a private old girl's school as in high school and Mm -hmm. I got a scholarship there. So it was kind of a bit of a weird time or like a weird space for me to be in because everyone was super rich and like had holiday homes and traveling all the time, you know, going to Europe once a year, whatever. And it just wasn't really the life that I was living, but I was living in that, in that sort of environment. So that was kind of when I reflect now in my adult life, I realized that there was a lot more to unpack in that sort of time frame for me than I realized in that time. Mm -hmm. Um, So during, so after that, I went straight into university. I did my, I did a bachelor's in psychology and then went in to do my master's of psychology. But even that was just kind of, I didn't really know what I was doing at this time. I just went straight from high school to uni to my master's. Um, I didn't really give myself time to think or reflect on what I wanted to do. But if I was to go back, I would probably do a more creative course or like go into more of a creative field, but it was never really an option or seemed like it was an option in terms of pursuing it academically or as a career. Which also maybe is a blessing these days because I actually love what I do and it came very organically as opposed to, you know, being put into a certain like system or streamlined.
1: Do you remember kind of the first time that you brushed with set design and costume design and when it kind of became like a reality to you? Do you remember one of the first experiences?
0: Well, how this all started, because I didn't have any experience in this when I before I moved to Berlin. So like literally when I moved here, I was intending to go back after my one year And I put my master's on hold for a year. But then I arrived a week before Corona started. I knew nobody. I literally had no friends in Europe at all. So what I was doing was applying left, right and center on Facebook. What's this called? Like eBay Kleinenzeigen, like weird German Craigslist, like looking for like all these different creative projects to get involved in. I don't know, I guess meet people ultimately, or like do things in a organic kind of way, which still made sense in this time. Um, And through that, I think I kind of found an interest in it. So, like, I've I've probably done over 100 weird little projects that will never see the light of day. I spent hours, like, we even got into a bit of trouble with the police at one time because we did a project somewhere where I didn't know that we didn't have a permit. And it was just, like, a whole whole ordeal of loads of funny things. Um, And I guess through this time of, like, wanting to find an outlet, um, I slowly kind of you know, developed a portfolio and found different things that I liked. hundred things I probably chose like two or three that I actually ran with. And I guess that's probably where it all started.
1: Really cool. Um, what excites you about this art form and about set and costume design, but film in general, what do you think sparks the excitement in you?
0: So I think that for set and costume, it's pure aesthetics, you know, which I'm super into. I love everything beautiful. Like my room is chaotic but in the most beautiful way and i also think that something like set for example is kind of looked looked past mm. you know like everybody knows that you need to have the artist obviously makeup hair styling but set design is kind of always the extra you know if you have budget or it's not secondary but it kind of feels like it's the add on mm. which i just yeah i would love for that to kind of be changed because it really does change you know like if you're taking a photo and you have the worst most boring or messy background your photo is inherently trash <laughs> like, oh, you know uninteresting, uninteresting like it is really like building the world which is essential yeah. to storytelling it is yeah so as much as I say that um, set design is pure aesthetics of course it is to you know strengthen the narrative and whatnot but I think but, that yeah it's so exciting and fun to be able to make that exciting and beautiful and extravagant, you know? Do you find that your education in psychology helps you kind of tap into storytelling? So for a while I think that I was telling myself that this was kind of, you know, when I would tell people why I'm doing this, I kind of had this narrative of psychology being an influencer, but I think um sorry, I think no, because psychology was never something that I actually wanted to do. Um mm-hmm. but it would be interesting to maybe one day find a way that these two worlds can collide because yeah, psychology is interesting, of course, but I, to this date, I haven't found a way. No, but I,
1: I, I find that so interesting because I think it is true. Like we always talk about, uh, well, I did this one thing. And of course, it feeds to me as a person. And of course, I'm like bigger and I understand certain things like as a soul and as, a, as an artist. But it is true that like sometimes you just have these multiple passions that are different streamlines inside yeah. of you. Um,
0: so let's talk about Hundefurind. How did you get involved? Where did it start? So I was shared a story by a friend. I'd actually been following um, the BIPOC Film Society for a while just because they post really interesting content in general. Um, And yeah, a friend shared the story saying that they were looking for somebody for set. And I was super, super excited because what was funny is in the past, like I've actually already shot something in Miasa's flat. So Miasa is the director and she was the one, we used her flat to film. To film the film. My first ever set design job was also actually filmed in that apartment as well. So I had like oh, wow. a weird little like link to this as well. So it kind of felt, yeah, it was, it just all worked. Came together. <laughs> and when you got the script and you met the creative scene, why did you
1: say yes to the project?
0: Well, I really felt it, you know, like I've never sat in front of people or like I've never been to an interview and been asked so many deep questions not only about why i wanted to be in this film but like about myself as well so it was really um it felt authentic and pure that they wanted somebody they really cared about who they wanted on this project do you know Mm -hmm. which often case isn't necessarily so important um and you could just tell how how much this project meant to Silesh to lamin who are the ones that lamin wrote the script and Silesh was the one that actually um, had this experience. So, yeah, it just felt like a very pure, authentic, and meaningful project to be part of. And of course, like having a whole, like having the whole crew be BPOC was obviously 10 times plus, also. <laughs> Yeah. Um,
1: So, what did your process look like when uh, you started this uh, project? And does it change when you have different kinds of projects? Or do you have kind of a system that you go through? And what was that like
0: with this film in particular? So, for me, it's always important, at least now in this part of my career, that when people are contacting me, it is somewhat in line with what I'm doing. So, because in the past, obviously, when you first start out, like you're doing kind of everything and anything. But with this one, I really sat down and chatted with them to make sure that our visions were very similar or like the aesthetic that I work in is what they're actually looking for. And if that's the case, we will like sit down and like chat about mood boards and things like this. I will always put together like a Pinterest board of things that I think would look cute and run through, run it through the artistic team and see if they're like are aligned. But then I will typically go off and be quite independent in the project. Um, and this time around, I actually had an assistant, which I was super happy about because the person that assisted me is actually one of my like creative icons. So I was like, okay. So apart from Pinterest boards, where do you look for
1: inspiration, or how do you begin to mold a vision? Is there particular places that you go to? Do you like textures, images? What do you gravitate towards?
0: So I would say it's colors and patterns. If that if that's what you're saying, or yeah, was, yeah, yeah. So colors and patterns. I love like kind of, I love royal colors. I love colors that clash. I love you know patterns like in the background here. You know, yeah. um, things like yeah. this. So for Honda Friend, for example, like Wang Kaiwei was a huge um, inspiration that they brought to me. Or like we we chatted about, and they said that Wang Kaiwei is somebody that they would like to use as an inspiration for the film, which I super super love as well. So that was a really nice way to begin. Um, who really plays with the elements of color and pattern. So I really really tried to utilize these elements and principles in Hunter Friend also which was a super big compliment because on the day of the premiere, someone came up to me and was like, wow, well, this is like super reminiscent of this. And I was like, okay. completely." <laughs> really so exciting.
1: And when you're assembling, um, what are, are, are you adding Easter eggs? Are you thinking uh, when you're looking at the characters, for because you did costume and set. So there's two sides to this. With set, when you're building, are you... Uh, Do you have a baseline with touches? Like, how do you begin to kind of put together a room? Because this, I mean, this short, for people who haven't seen it, um, takes place in one space, in an apartment, and mostly in a bedroom. So how do you begin to kind of add detailing on top of a bigger image?
0: So I guess, like, how I start in general would be, I would always look through the script and make a list of everything that are musts. So, for example, in Hundefreund, the must was a key. Cigarettes bed sheets you know the musts come up first and then I compile and I look around for things that look nice um so that's step one and then Mm -hmm. I will go through my inspiration boards and things like this and then look at the bigger picture so the next thing that I did was the wallpaper so that the frames would all look so the frames would be the most important thing first wallpaper would be first and then putting in these little objects that are the musts and then playing Mm -hmm. around with Things like lighting or mirrors, which is something that I also am super into. Mirrors are, I think, have been in every single piece of work I've done recently. Especially this like circle mirror that I have. I have a circular mirror that's pretty much in every single set design (laughs) that I've done recently. Um, So yeah, there are definitely like things that I'm doing constantly, like reoccurring themes in my work, I guess. I just find it so
1: fascinating when you, especially in this... Uh, short, where there is this really beautiful aesthetic, but I know that there's also elements and items that were particularly. Co- I mean, with every work, right? But in this, in this short film, I can I can really see that the items that are in there are chosen with purpose. Yeah. So tell us about assembling and sourcing and building this set in particular. Where did you go, and and what choices did you have
0: to make? So I'm pretty much always sourcing secondhand. I've never ever. In my career, ever sourced anything from these places like Fundus? I don't don't know if that is a German word, like Fundus, or these places where it's like seven hundred euros to hire a table for a week. I'm like, (laughs) I've never ever sourced from there. So everything that I collect has some sort of inherent character to it, I think. And most of the time, it's coming from my own, my own room or my own stuff that I have. Like I have a lot of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I think that I really feel the things that I put into a set because they're mine. They're literally mine. Spending hours and hours like scouring through like Sozialaden and places like this. Um, sometimes I'm borrowing things for fr- from friends, but I'm trying to avoid doing that because I get that that can be super annoying. And in this process,
1: uh, what was your communication like with my side, the director, in particular? How did you communicate about, um, about the vision, really?
0: Well, I think that from the get-go, we realized quite quickly that we had a very similar vision and very similar aesthetic. So it was super nice to work in a space where everything was everything made sense and every all ideas were bouncing back and forth and progressing as opposed to there literally being any clashes at all which Mm -hmm. um was quite refreshing because you really well I really felt like I had um space to work and trust are there
1: any unique
0: stories about
1: any of the costume pieces or any of the objects in the film that you'd like to share
0: well I think that a funny one that is not so obvious maybe to some people is that in one of the scenes, there is a poster and on the poster, there is Arabic writing that says um, men don't know how to love, which is kind of a tagline of what this story is talking about, but you wouldn't know it unless you could. It, yeah. Such a great, such a great Easter egg. Wow. Yeah. Um,
1: I want to talk about the characters a little bit and about their costumes and um, how you kind of build a person um how did that work for the character of Malik and how did that work for the character of Philip
0: yeah so so Philip just like a basic boring white guy (laughs) (laughs) um so we were talking about you know these really like bland kind of colors like oversized kind of indie vibes um for him and then for Malik we have a scene at the beginning where he's kind of dressed in more of like a sheer queerified kind of outfit but then you know we snap the camera and he's in something that's like slightly more basic to kind of tell the story of, you know, who he really is or who he wants to be versus what he presents to the world or at least to
1: Philip. That is really exciting because in the beginning of the film, you see kind of a couple of costume changes. There's a couple of different tops being tried on, um, which I think is really telling to how um, in such an aesthetical place to see a character adjusting and playing with their aesthetic.
0: No, that was super intentional and super part
1: of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in this particular process, how has how have you grown
0: as an artist? Well, I really feel like there's a new benchmark of um kind of it would it really feel like a safe space, this mm-hmm. project. It was not like any project I've ever worked on before. Like the level of communication and love that you would f- that you would genuinely feel from the team was unparalleled to anything I've ever experienced before. Um, mm-hmm. and I definitely don't think that, I, I think it would be very hard to strive for this kind of thing all the time, but yeah, like how I've developed is having faith in what I'm doing because the team really enabled that for me. You know, mm-hmm. I was, yeah, everything that I was doing or wanted to, everything that I was contributing to this, um, was received with so much love and it really made me more confident in myself and what I'm doing.
1: Looking back on your previous work and in this work, you mentioned already that you're using similar objects. Where do you see yourself gravitating to in the future?
0: Well, I would honestly hope that I could continue this kind of, you know, sourcing and finding little cute things and having things have meaning to me. Um, But also in the future, I kind of hope to maybe head more into a, Slightly more like artistic creative kind of set design fields. So maybe building things or being a bit more hands on as opposed to sourcing things from other people, like actually creating things myself. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like in a couple months, I'm going to be doing an apprenticeship at the opera. So hopefully that will be an opening.
1: Exciting. Meal. Yeah, I mean, we touched on it a little bit, but what are the realities of having a career in the in this art form, in set and costume design, what does your day-to-day kind of look like? And yeah, finding work, doing apprenticeship. Like, what is it really,
0: for the people who don't know, what does it look like? Well, honestly, for me, this is so, this is still so new to me. I have, I guess, I guess then I am a good person to talk to about this because it all just happened quite randomly. Like I was never, I didn't grow up knowing that I was going to do this. Like I really paved this path myself. Um, mm-hmm. How do you find jobs? Like. I think that once you get the ball rolling with a couple, the snowball starts. I think that's the same as any creative career. Like once you start having work, you are getting work. And when I say work, I say this to my friends as well, it doesn't have to be, you know, paid commercial work with, you know, X, Y, and Z famous people in it. Like you can literally be putting out your personal work and adding that to your portfolio and that's valid. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are saying like how they don't have these opportunities or whatever, which I think that, this is more accessible to people than they even know mm. like this kind of career how i find work through instagram honestly instagram is my biggest tool like it went from just being my personal page of just posting random things to something that i use quite seriously i've only mm. received like a couple of like emails through my website and my email directly so really everything is instagram for me and i don't know just being open to everything like i apply for everything that i see that people share share to me even if it's you know something that's a bit out of my comfort zone or yeah that's how I ended up here just by saying yes to everything and trying everything out typical day for me or like during the time that I'm in a project is chaotic you know like yes we're only shooting for three to five days but I am working you know like I'm every single day from morning to night I'm like looking at this or sourcing sourcing something from an hour and a half away driving here on the Uban with like Thirtieth thousand things, a mattress, like everything, you know. And then even afterwards, it's like there's still all this work that has to be done. So as much as it's three to five days of actual work, it's it's just not so. Yeah, that's definitely a
1: reality about this career that I that I feel because it's with anything that is like an object or a product, you look at it and it looks like the thing, yeah. right? But there's this whole universe kind of around it.
0: Totally. No, especially with set, especially with set. It's like every single thing in that room I'm carrying with my, you know, blood and bones. Like, you know, it's really exhausting. Um, Mm -hmm. That's actually a lot of work. With Honda Freund, what has it taught you? And what do you hope that it will teach other people? So what I really liked from Honda Freund is that it told a story that a lot of people have been through or a lot of POC people have been through from a perspective that was authentic told by a team that can pretty much all relate to it it was from the core it was an authentic story to be told you know no one was on this project that had no idea what was going on or couldn't relate to the story because we all had this joint kind of sense of understanding or experience it was able to be relayed in a very unique and special way I think that Above all, I want this project or this film to show people that no matter what your circumstances are, I'm talking about literally like the team and everything, that you can do it. Um, that a BPOC crew can tell a BPOC story. A queer crew can tell a queer story. Like, we don't need, or like, you don't need anybody. Queer BPOC people can tell a story of queer BPOC people within themselves, because that's mm-hmm. such a new kind of concept to think that you know, we can't have resources or we can't have a platform because most often marginalized groups don't have these spaces. But for this project, every single person was BPOC and queer and we did it.
1: I stand in such admiration of you as a person as well, like moving to Berlin and literally making your road and, and walking it and, and, and following what feels good to you. And then also in such admiration for this whole crew for, fighting for what should be already there so I just want to thank you for that thank you, <laughs> That's super nice. thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me it's so interesting no, thank you for having me I'm
0: super super excited to share
1: thank you for tuning back into the podcast and this special series big shout out to Joan for joining me I'm honestly so excited to see what work you will do next you can follow Joan on the Gram at Joan Ling Lee, Li, the film at Hondofreund.film, and of course, you can check out the podcast page for updates on previous and upcoming episodes at In Her Lens Podcast. Be back next week, Wednesday, with a new episode in the special, breaking down the visual language of the short with the formidable DOP cinematographer. Thanks again. Take care. I'll see you soon. Cheers.